Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for June 11th, 2018, and just baseball to talk about for a really long time now. The finals are over for basketball. Uh, I think that even though it was kind of the outcome everybody expected, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable series overall. It was a 4-0 sweep for the Warriors, but a lot of the games were competitive, a lot of entertaining games to watch, and the, the Cavs did almost win game one in Golden State, and then kind of fell apart after that. So now the big story for basketball is going to be where does LeBron James go, obviously. And my guess is that he goes to probably either Houston or Philly. Actually, I was looking at the odds that you could bet on earlier, and the Lakers are the favorite, which I can't really see him going to the Lakers just because I don't think that it would be a competitive team with him and at th- in terms of championship. And at this point, I definitely think that's what he's looking for. So to me, the teams that make the most sense are the Houston or Philly. And looking at the odds, uh, Philly is plus 250 to sign him and Houston is plus 300. So for me, I like you could bet on both of them. And if let's say you put $10 on him to go to Houston, $10 on him to go to Philly, if he goes to either of those places, you end up profiting money. And I think that I think it's, to me, I don't see any other situation as of right now that makes sense for him to go anywhere else. So I do think it's a a pretty decent NBA futures bet. Uh, But getting into the baseball games for tomorrow, we have eight games on the slate. I think that there's one fairly interesting leverage spot for offense. Uh, Pitchers, we have three guys that are in the expensive price range. We've got Patrick Corbin, Carlos Carrasco, Madison Bumgarner. I think Bumgarner could be pretty popular tomorrow, and I, while I don't think it's impossible that he turns it around, if he's going to be highly owned, he's not somebody I really want to be on. He had the motorcycle accident last year, and his velocity was way down when he came back. He had the finger injury this year, and the velocity still doesn't come back, but I don't really think that this is a result of the, the finger injury. I think this goes back to the shoulder injury from last year, and if you look at his velocity numbers... Uh, since he came back, he had a cutter around 88 or so miles per hour, and that's kind of like his primary pitch that he that he uses to set up batters. And it was kind of sitting around 88 miles per hour for 2016 and the beginning of 2017. Then he came back to around like 86 and a half after the injury. And his first start this year, I understand it was only his first start. He was on a pitch count. But still, his cutter was 85.69 miles per hour. If, if the velocity is that far down, he's just not going to be as good of a pitcher going forward. And so while this is a really easy matchup, I could see him having success against the Marlins. For the price tag, I think both Corbin and Carrasco are better plays, and Carrasco my preferred play of that tier. So Bumgarner, I'd say maybe a slightly risky fade, but I'm actually more interested in the Marlins offense than I am Bumgarner. And that's not to say that I love the Marlins offense either. I just think that Bumgarner a little bit overpriced and not somebody to want to roster until I actually see him have a good game and I see the velocity pick back up because he could really struggle the rest of the season. Going to bring up his numbers really quick from last year because not only was the velocity down, except he just didn't pitch particularly well last season. And if you look at his numbers from his first game, he didn't give up a ton of runs, but I think it wasn't until the third inning, maybe that he even had a swing and miss. Uh, he ended up gave up, he only gave up two runs, except it was eight hits, fairly easy matchup against 
a really not great Arizona offense, and it was at home. He only finished with three strikeouts. I, I'd be very concerned about how well Bumgarner could pitch going forward. So for me, it's away from him for now and just hope that he doesn't regain the form that we've seen from him in the past. And then overall, his numbers last year, 3.95 FIP, 4.07 XFIP, struck out eight guys per nine innings. So it's he, he was only a slightly above average pitcher last year as it was. So he might be averaged even below average this year, depending on if that velocity ever ends up coming back. Uh, so in the high tier for me, I think Carrasco is the guy to roster here. The White Sox have been better against right-handed pitching than they have been against lefties this year, but still Carrasco, I think that there's the most upside in him of any of these pitchers in this tier. He still puts up a lot of big games. Uh, He's a little erratic, but if you look at his last, whatever, six games, he has a game of negative negative six points, but he also has a 47-point game and a 32-point game in there. So most upside of any of the guys in this high tier, and that's what leads me towards Carrasco. The White Sox still do strike out a little over 24% against right-handed pitching, so there is upside there. Moving into the mid-tier, I think that there are a few pretty interesting options. Uh, Jack Flaherty at 8,300, Jose Quintana at 8,100, Dylan Bundy at 7,500. I think all of these guys are okay plays, but the one that I think is the best of these guys is Jack Flaherty at home against the Padres, so the easiest matchup. The Padres this year are 26th in WRC plus against right-handed pitching. They're striking out 25.7% of our bats, which is the third highest against right-handed pitching. And overall, Jack Flaherty has been pretty solid this year. Not anything terrific, except he was just recently priced over 10000 for a home matchup against the Marlins. So I think to see his price come all the way down to 8300 Good, good spot to buy him, some upside, and then also a fairly high floor, I think, for him also overall this year. 3.2 ERA, 3.53 FIP for Flaherty, striking out a lot of guys just under 10 hitters per nine innings. I think that'll regress and come down a little bit, but still, even if he's striking out eight and a half or so guys per nine innings, I think that's really solid at this price and in a really plus matchup against the Padres. That's about as easy as a matchup could be for a right-handed pitcher is the getting the Padres at home. So Quintana and Bundy, I think, are okay if you need to save salary. But Flaherty, to me, is the guy in this price range. And then moving into the cheaper pitchers, uh, one guy who I really think makes sense as a punt is Ryan Yarbrough. So Yarbrough is still only a 5,600. Usually we see him come in second inning, end of the first inning. It was supposed to be Ryan Stanek starting, or I guess the I call the position the starter. So traditionally there's the closer in baseball, and now the Rays kind of introduced the the opener, which is the relief pitcher comes in to face the top of the order. But Stanek ended up having to pitch on Sunday and got extended a little bit. So Yarbrough, they're just going to throw him out to start the game. At 5,600, I think this is a good spot for Yarbrough. Struggled a little bit in his last outing in a fairly tough matchup against the Nationals. But before that, he had uh, three consecutive starts over 20 fantasy points per game. Well, I guess not really starts, but whatever, extended relief outings. So 5,600, I think, is a little bit too cheap for Yarbrough. I don't think he's going to pitch quite this well the rest of the season. But still, I think a fair price from him is probably somewhere in the 7,000 range. And good value on him at 5,600 if you want to pay up for offense. I think Yarbrough definitely makes sense as a punt play at pitcher. So 
by tier, I think Carrasco on the high end, Jack Flaherty in the mid-tier, and then Ryan Yarborough on the cheap end are the guys that make the most sense. Moving into the offenses, the offense that I think has the most expected output on the slate is this is the uh, Cleveland Indians. So Lucas Giolito is pitching against them, and Giolito has really struggled this year. I think at this point the White Sox really have to be considering sending him down to the minor leagues. He is a really highly regarded prospect. He has good stuff, but it is not equaled major league success at all. He is walking nearly six guys per nine innings. He's striking out only four and a half, so more walks than strikeouts. And there just isn't, he hasn't shown really any upside outside of one decent start against the, uh, who is that against? It was against the Cardinals. So he had a game against the Cardinals where he scored. 18.1 fantasy points, pretty good seven strikeouts and six innings. He's been terrible in basically every other start this year. He actually has uh, more games with negative 15 or less fantasy points than games with over 15 fantasy points. So a lot more, a lot lower of a ceiling than there is a higher floor for Giolito. He gives up home runs. I, I think that this is a really good spot to go with the Indians offense. They're really expensive, except it's a really safe play to stack them they should also be chalky but but i'm fine with them it's just so hard to see giolito being any what decent in this spot and the other thing too is not too much concern about getting into the white Sox bullpen when giolito leaves the game the white Sox have a really bad bullpen one of the worst in baseball so really upside for the indians first inning through the ninth inning and that's another reason also that i think carrasco makes for a little bit better of a play is really safe bet to pick up the win bonus in this game. So Indians offense on the high end, I think they make sense. A cheaper offense that I also think is in a good spot is the St. Louis Cardinals at home against Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles started the year with a couple of decent outings. Uh, has really just been dog shit since then. A 4.7 ERA, 4.55 FIP. Uh, pretty high home run to fly ball rate at 15%. He's giving up a lot of hard contact right around 37%, which ties his career high with last year. And the other thing, too, is a bunch of his appearances have come out of the bullpen this year. Typically, pitchers are worse as a starter than they are coming out of the pen. So there's a lot of reasons to think that Jordan Lyles is not going to have success as a starting pitcher this year. And it's certainly fallen apart ever since he had that near-perfect game against the Rockies, which also goes to show that anybody could pitch well against that terrible Rockies team when they're on the road. And... We've seen some really, really bad outings from Jordan Lyles. He could really get blown up at times. He gave up 11 hits and 8 runs in 4 and a third innings his last start against the Braves. The price tags on the Cardinals also very reasonable. So I, I think that they're probably going to be the offense actually have the most exposure to with the Indians being second just because I really like the pricing value on St. Louis. We have Jose Martinez is 4,300. Tommy Pham's at 4,500. And then no other hitters are above 4000 uh, The price on Matt Carpenter is ridiculously low at 3300 So he's somebody who I'm going to have a ton of exposure to. Really like him a lot. And then offenses, if we're looking for some contrarian spots, I did bring up the Marlins. I'm going to use a couple of them as plugs. Uh, have to see what the batting order looks like. But definitely some of the, the righties, like uh, Brian Anderson, I think makes sense. Uh, JT Realmudo makes sense as a catching option. I'm 
I'm not going to be going crazy with Marlon stacks. Something like maybe I have like one Marlon stack and use a few players as plugs. It's more just I'm anti Bumgarner and I think he's gonna have a decent amount of ownership. So I think it makes sense as a leverage play to get some Marlins into lineups. Um, but yeah, once again, not not a team I'm going like ah oh, I'm going crazy Marlins. Like if I'm making twenty lineups, it's like probably one of the twenty will be a Marlins stack. And then another offense that I think can make some sense as a low-owned contrarian play is the Baltimore Orioles. Stephen Wright was pretty solid in his last start, and he was also somewhat popular in that one. So I think people might look at Stephen Wright in this one, especially because the Orioles have not hit righties. The Orioles haven't hit anybody well this year. But with that said, Stephen Wright, outside of the last start where he was uh, pretty solid. He's struggled over the last couple of seasons. So not much of a sample size for him this year, but last year he pitched, only made five starts, and then basically lost his roster spot. 8.25 ERA, 7.82 fifth. The Orioles are still a team. When they score runs, it's usually via home runs. And if you get if they do happen to draw a couple walks and get base runners against a knuckleballer, that opens up a good chance for stolen bases. So as a team that I think is upside that people aren't going to roster, I, I like the Orioles. So in terms of priorities for offense, to me, it's Cardinals 1, Indians 2, and that's really where most of my exposure is going to be. And then it's Orioles, Marlins, and then the pitchers. It was Carrasco, uh, Ryan Yarborough, and Jack Flaherty. So that is going to wind, uh, wind up the podcast. Wind up? Wind down? I don't know. Can't talk right now. But either way, that finishes the show. You can follow me on Twitter at GEarenbergDFS, and I'll be back tomorrow to record a show for Tuesday's Slate.